Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. are currently in uh, Ukraine. My condolences. Uh, I, uh, <clears throat> it's very possible we do have Ukraine listeners in Ukraine. Two things you should know. One, <clears throat> I'm still calling it the Ukraine. Two, it's Kiev. <clears throat> and three, it actually probably literally will be Kiev very soon again. As it belongs to Vladimir Putin, or will shortly, at any time now, the the world the 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 news is that Putin is rolling into Ukraine. He, he said that he's he's liberating Ukraine, liberating Russian provinces essentially, which is just a, a weasel word for invading. Uh, Catherine, I Harris, mean, but Ukraine was also part of <sighs> Russia, like you know. A hundred sure. years ago, or whatever, right? Like, right. I mean, okay, this is fine, right? They were, with the exception of the parts that have been bitten off, they were an autonomous country. Yeah, until I mean, today. I don't have a really like strong opinion on this either oh, way. Oh, good. Which Anything is, else like... you'd like to talk about? Because <laughs> the show is over. <laughs> no, but Ukraine I mean, conflict. Point... U.S. Okay. has credible information indicating that Russia is compiling lists of specific Ukrainians to be killed or sent to camps following the military occupation. I Top mean, I do, have, I do have an opinion. Top I diplomats killed and sent to, the, to camps to the is bad. Nations, That's my opinion Step on, on that. Stepan wife, can I have one moment to talk to the people for a moment? <laughs> You're not allowed to call me Stepan wife because I'm wearing my Give Me Your Napoleon shirt today, not my Stepan wife shirt. So uh, this is pretty standard stuff when you, uh, pretty Putin-y stuff too. That makes total sense. The guy, so the White House is saying already, leaks from the White House is saying, that that it's kind of not an incursion, 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 incursion. So he may not be um, he's, he may not be sanctioned to the nuclear uh, option level, whatever. Mm. Sounds like a vacation by the White House. We'll see. Do you think this would be happening if Trump were still president? Nope. No, no, no. Absolutely not. No, I don't think so. I think Trump. 
I agree, and I think most people think that that's true. I don't think most people think Putin would be trying this. People, and I know people, and I'm related to people who are talking about how what a good job Biden's doing and how he's embraced NATO again. That's literally really, who. Literally. I don't know. I don't want to tell you, but okay. you know, you know I some of the people. In, some of the people. Some of them are related to me. I'll, I'll just say. I know, but, but I just but, don't get like the mindset. Well, no, but but it is interesting now that people are pretending that there hasn't been a total like. like you can say it any way you want, but the guys carrying the wedding cake stumble back and forth, and the cake is plunged into the ground. That is the case right now with this administration. It is a disastrous administration. He got an infrastructure bill. There's no doubt about that. That is right. But this is, administration is it's not going well. And to, to say, you know, the, the person who mentioned that actually cited Afghanistan. He said, we get us out of Afghanistan, and he did. Okay. Yeah, he did. But, you know, there's a way to do this and a way not to do this. It's been disastrous. The foreign policy has been disastrous. We gave away the story. I, I don't really, at this point, I don't really, I don't I, but I'm I not mean, even. I mean, everybody's been saying, and we've been saying since the beginning of this, and we're no, like, foreign policy experts per se, but, like, we've both been saying that it seems pretty much like he gave Putin the START II treaty. He got rid of the sanctions on the pipeline he like literally did everything that putin wanted all the time when russian groups hacked our infrastructure and like caused huge problems in our economy he was like okay i'm gonna give you a list of eight things to please don't hack these eight okay if you Mm -hmm. guys have to hack things just like these ones are really important but i just like Hasn't it seemed to anybody with eyes that Biden has been a total pushover to Putin and that's why Putin feels absolutely no compulsion to do anything that Biden says he should do? Like, it just seems obvious to anybody who's watching. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. So, like, I don't see how... And, like, I mean, I know that you can say, like, oh, well, Trump was in Putin's pocket and he led up to this. But, I mean, you only get so many years of, like, blaming the previous administration for right, stuff. Yeah, and, like, the truth is he didn't invade Ukraine on Trump's watch. He did on Obama's watch and now again on Biden's watch. Right, but it, he it, took it, a break during the Trump years from invading things. from the people that I, that, I, that I trust and listen to today is that Putin was giving a pu- very pro- Pro um, Soviet state uh, speech today. The greatness of that, further. and the incursions into the West, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it seems like this is. I'd go a step further with Putin. Mm-hmm. I would say that Putin is trying not just to rebuild the Soviet state. I would say he's trying to rebuild the Russian Empire, the right. pre-Soviet. Oh, and I'm not the a Warsaw fan of Pact. In other words, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of. Putin as Putin like he's obviously right. extremely corrupt and kills journalists and uh, you know all this stuff I I mean I'm anti-Putin but I like kind of like Russia as a place just like, culturally so I don't have like an extreme anti-Russia sentiment or anything I don't think Putin's great for Russia you know I, th- I think that most of Putin's problems hurt Russians more than they're hurting mm-hmm. anybody else frankly but I, I don't um, I don't have the same like anti-Russian animus that I think, you know, a- animates some people in the United States. Like, I think Russian culture is cool. And I think that clearly, like, there is a lot of shared culture there among S- Slavic states. Like I said, like, I-, I mean, a lot of these places were part of not just the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. but the Russian Empire. These are places that historically, like, share a lot with Russian culture. Right. I mean, but that's. 
<clears throat> that's of course the pretext for invasions through time and memoriam, Alice. How about that? Right, but I mean, like at the same time, like is it time in memoriam or time immemorial? In- time immemorial? Yeah. Holy hell! I had no idea. Time immemorial. It's not time and memorial or time and memoriam. Yeah, it's time immemorial. That is you remarkable. Can go look it up. Okay. How but do you spell it? Time immemorial. Time immemorial. Well, can you spell immemorial? Uh, I M M E M O. No way. E M. I don't. I'm. I think so. I M M E M. I think it's roughly like that. Start to Google it and see what comes up. Who I don't know. Knew? I can't Holy spell in my Jesus head. Was else, I right? What else don't I know? Was I right? Is that what came up when you Googled Time it? Time immemorial. There you go. Christ, Alice, I'm almost 50. I'm just <laughs> learning stuff. Used to refer to any point of time in the past that was so long ago that people have no knowledge or memory of it. Hmm. Oh, my God. That means that changes everything. But I guess my point would be that, you know, I like Germany used to be a collection of slightly different cultures like Bavaria and like, you know what? Do you get what I'm saying? Like Bohemia. There were a bunch of separate kingdoms and now they're one country that's Germany or like Italy is the same thing. There was like Florence and Milan and there were like all these different cultures and they're one country now. Right. Like, so they got Austria, too, though. And that's well, well, yeah, but I mean, Actually, Germany. Isn't this Sudetenland? Where is the Sudetenland? In Poland, uh, right? Uh, I thought. Where is it in Austria? No, because they had the, I don't the, the Sudetenland. They would have had no, because he annexed Austria. Because well, right, because the point was that they were saying these are like Germanic peoples, but there. But the truth is that there was not. I mean, like, yeah, Austria is a separate country, but there are also other things that were separate little kingdoms and stuff. Sudetenland, Czechoslovakia. Okay, so. But yeah, I mean, like Czechoslovakia, obviously, like that's it's now like Czechia and Slovakia or whatever, and and but th- <clears throat> these places have like aspects of Slavic culture and Germanic culture and all these different things. But it, it like in European history, nothing's that like set in stone and permanent. Like not a bunch of stuff doesn't even stretch back like fifty years, right? Like. Yugoslavia is a perfect example of a state that's like a bunch of things cobbled together that like shouldn't even have really been together because the the things were so diverse. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess you have to think about like what's what's in the interest of those places. Like, do they want to be part of Russia or do they not want to be part of Russia or other? I mean, it's these things are complicated, right? Like and and history goes back further than the last like. 20 years, right? Like, Yugoslavia was one country after World War II until it wasn't one country after World War II. And then it was a bunch of other things. And, like, I don't... I don't think those places are, like, particularly interested in being one country anymore, with the possible exception of Kosovo, which I would say, like, a lot of Serbs are still interested in, although many of them aren't interested in actually living there uh, in its current form. But it's... I, I don't... I don't have, like, a lot of passion about, like, where particular borders of Russia should be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't necessarily, like, if people want to be a part of Russia, like, I don't I don't know. I don't have, like, really strong feelings on that in the sense that, like, I don't need to go send my kid to die because I want, like, the borders in Europe to be in particular places. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
And I don't like so obviously, yes, like I don't want people like dying. I prefer not to have big wars because that's bad. Like I don't want people getting sent to camp like camps. <laughs> people can go to camp. That's OK. Just not to camp. Right. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Unless there's a trans counselor, in which case I don't want them going to camp. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> crossed wires right now. Anyway, the I just I, I mean, I understand, like, I don't necessarily want Putin to be more powerful and all this stuff, and I wish Biden wouldn't, like, cave to him on everything, but I also don't, like, personally feel like I have a dog in the fight of, like, whether or not Ukraine becomes part of Russia. It doesn't... Right. I don't have, like, super strong feelings. Well, right. The, so the only... The only... <clears throat> it is interesting, and... In talking to Noah Rothman, you know, he mentioned before that we'll probably have, or maybe we already do have naval ships uh, in and around the, is it the Black Sea? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it's too late. This was deterrence. No, I understand that. But if you've got naval ships somewhere, if you've got American ships somewhere, then it increases the chance that there's a tripwire, that that somebody gets hit, somebody misfires and blows one up. And then if you blow one up, and then it's, what, Article 5 or whatever is the UN thing, and then everybody's got to go to war with Russia. But isn't it, like, isn't the point of a tripwire that you have it so that nobody does trip it? Like, that's why we have all the nuclear weapons pointed at each other, right? Let's play this Kamala uh, Harris. I'm glad you mentioned it, Alice. Let's play this. This is Kamala talking about just this today. I think the White House may have had to clean this up at some point. But if you believe Putin has made up his mind, what leverage do you really have? Why not put those sanctions in place now? The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. As I articulated yesterday, it, it is directed at institutions, in particular financial institutions and individuals, and it will exact absolute harm for the Russian economy and their government. But if Putin has made up his mind, do you feel that this threat that has been looming is really going to deter him? Absolutely. We strongly believe. And and remember also that the sanctions oh are a product not only of our perspective as the United States, but a shared perspective among our allies. And the allied relationship is such that we have agreed oh. that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one. Especially because, remember also... I love how she counsels the reporter. Remember also... Now, hold on. Remember, this is very important. We're talking about war in Europe. The deterrence effect (coughs) of the sanctions will be absolute. That said, we believe that he's already made his decision to attack. It's already happening. But he won't because of the sanctions. We still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. And within the context, then, of the fact that that window is still opening, although, open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect, we believe, has merit. You know, I like her. I like her. It takes a, a certain audacity <laughs> to not get any better, <clears throat> to not learn anything about that and just go right out and talk to the well, press. Well, I was just thinking, too, it's funny because, like, you know... I don't necessarily like know everything about Ukraine and Russia and Europe and all this right. stuff, right? But like 
we also have like other jobs and kids and a house and this and that. We're researching potentially buying a car. Like we're doing stuff. This is her one job is to know stuff and talk about it. And like she has right. the biggest professionals and intelligence people and everybody like creating briefing documents mm-hmm. for her and putting them in front of her before she goes out there. Like you literally, if you're the vice president or the president or the secretary of state or any of these people, you have literally no excuse in the world to not be prepared because you've had like the people who know the most about this on planet earth, putting documents in front of you, explaining like what to say and what your position is supposed to be and (laughs) giving you the answers to all the questions that you're likely to get and everything else. So if you go out there and talk like her, it's purely because you absolutely just don't give a bleep at all like you just you have to like try to not be that prepared you have to i mean like they're putting the pieces of paper in front of you that give you all this information is it possible she's dyslexic (laughs) seriously i'm i'm wondering she's going to be going out there and talking to the press it's easier for her to do this corkscrew contortionist (laughs) act in in, which seems utterly grueling It's it's <clears throat> like I do uh, radio in the in the morning mm-hmm. and stuff I ostensibly know about. It's kind of hard to fill a few minutes, a chunk of seven minutes. You really got to get inside your head, own head and start working. But for her, this must feel like two and a half <laughs> hours per question. I can't imagine because she's not doing anything but Yeah, it's actually like harder to make stuff up about Ukraine if you don't know anything than it is just to read the stuff right. and regurgitate things. You would think that would be easier. So she makes so she makes up for it in tone. It's important that you listen, you understand. And so the reporter feels doubt. Oh, I it's Well, not- that's why yesterday we got I hope you all understand. We are talking about the potential for a war in Europe. War in Europe. Let's just all take a moment. Like, I mean, like, it's just just babble. It doesn't make any sense. Like, no, nothing no, she says no, it's means just anything. Uh, it's so, all just an excuse for her to, like, strike poses as she talks. I also the believe... The actual that, content course, is an afterthought for her. Of course, yeah. I also believe that... I also believe that Putin, rightfully, was looking at world leaders, and with the f- exception of a few... At least the NATO people, certainly. And he's saying, why are they all celebrating their militaries being trans now? What's going on here? And he's looking at them and saying, "It's why is Blinken prioritizing the wokeness of the administration? Why is the attorney general doing the same thing? Why is the vice president doing the same thing? And the president uses the same language. They all do. And he must think to himself, wait a second. They're on to a new project. Yeah, they don't care what I do in Europe. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's right. I yeah. think he's right. They don't care. They yeah, care. The problem is that when you broadcast that you don't care to him. Yes. He's like, I. from everything I can see, these are complete and utter inept pussies. And I think I can do whatever I want. So, which is why this is probably just the first step. And then he'll hit another country and he'll rub up against NATO, NATO countries again. And then I think that he believes that if he goes up against a NATO country and, and there's an altercation or a skirmish, whatever, that they'll back down. I don't know who the new German is. I know the old one. Merkel. Uh, yeah. I, I think that she was uh, wacky. I understand that I'm told that she's somewhat moderate. I don't see it that, that way. 
I think that well, she was the hardliner on like the the financially irresponsible European countries like Greece, and right? Ireland, like not paying for them. <laughs> I do like the the European countries who immediately started slacking once they realized the Germans were going to do all the productivity. <laughs> the pigs countries, right? Isn't it like pigs? Portugal, Ireland, Italy, uh, something, Greece, and Spain or something? Ireland. Neutral during World War II. Like, I don't know, but yeah, that was like the, the line. It was like the countries that couldn't get their their financial lives together. I identify. I identify. But yeah, like when Greece had like the debt crisis and it was all this stuff and they were like, oh my God, austerity. And Germany was like, no, you must crack down and have austerity. We are not paying for you losers. <laughs> Typical. Germans don't like getting screwed over. I know a bunch of them. They don't like it. They don't even like things being even. All right. So, so that's what's happening. We don't... <clears throat> I mean, it's weird because it kind of puts a, it kind of makes everything this is happening right now during our show. Nothing really is, um, you know, this doesn't really have a shelf life, the show. But not that it matters. We do a daily show, so I guess they never have shelf lives, which is one of the things when I started this podcast, I promised myself I wouldn't do. <laughs> we're not going to talk in a daily. But then again, we're all going through this stuff every day together. So it's, that's the mm-hmm. idea is to check in. This is like a. At least you haven't promised a- yourself you're going to go to a movie theater every day for a year. So What the <laughs> F was that? I admire, the, I admire the commitment. You're taking a shot at Chris It's not Clemmer? a shot. It's not a shot. Did it's you do an enough expression. damage to his partner? I didn't do anything oh, to Carano. Uh, oh, he my reached God. out to me and you were mentioned, Alice. What? For torpedoing Carano. By the way. I did not torpedo Carano. What is that supposed to mean? I didn't do anything to oh, Carano. You said, well, it's funny. It must be a different Alice that he's referencing. <laughs> I didn't do anything. How would you go after Clemmer? I'm not going after anybody. I think he's a great character. I, love I like Clemmer. I would, I, I, it's an expression of admiration. I'm just saying that's hustle to go to a movie theater every day for a he's year. He's not going every not, day. He's going to a movie theater every day. He's not coming out with a show every day, but he's going every day. I don't day. think so. Is he? Yeah. I don't think that's true. He's going to a movie every day. I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's, you're not doing that. Uh, I, you know, I entertain hundreds of thousands of people. In Tens the, of thousands. Hundreds of thousands, my friend, uh-huh. in the Hartford, Connecticut market. There's a lot of movers and shakers in Connecticut. You know, a lot of celebrities do live there. It's true. It's true. That has improved my influence zero. <laughs> you have almost as many Twitter followers as I'm, some other people. I'm, I'm not overburdened by live reads or endorsements. Although we are buying a new car. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sales folks at WTIC, we're buying a new car. I'm buying a new car. I'm buying a new car. hi the Dario. But... Uh, are we sure we're buying a new car? We're Have gonna, we made oh, a final decision? Where we got to buy a car. The, the, the burnt orange caravan um, is just beat to hell. I mean, I'm just shocked. That it, it, it sure had a good run. There's no doubt about that. <clears throat> but we gave it, unfortunately, a an organ transplant at this shady hellhole in Haverhill. Oh, be Haverhill. Which is another t-shirt we should make. And now it's uh, never quite been the same. It's also old, and we've just we've dr- driven it around the country, and this and that. So we're getting a new car. If you guys have any ideas, what a, we need a big SUV, which is what we need. A big SUV 
that can take can take eight people and or seven. Our current car takes seven. Okay, or seven. Seven people, two dogs, luggage. Um, that's kind of roomy, but also very inexpensive. And I understand there's a <laughs> glut of cars. Preferably all-wheel drive. Can we just buy one without the microchips? <laughs> and just even if we don't get a heads-up display, who cares? I just. <clears throat> but let us know if you guys got have got got one. I, I, I looked at like some. I mean, we have friends that that drive some great ones, like the um, Expedition. It's nice. Those are too expensive. <clears throat> those big ones. I like the big ones too. If I, but I don't have eighty grand. To I've asked Cashman, that. Jacqueline, if she's getting rid of a car. She was, she's a swell. So she goes through um, Range Rovers and and other cars. She probably like leases them though. She's probably not selling them. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, so that's what's going on with us. Anything else going on, Alice? It's been forty-five minutes. No, it hasn't been 45 minutes. What's wrong with you? Oh, um, <laughs> really? Wow. Why would you put me on I believe the this spot is called like a that. grinding halt. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see what else is going on. Um... <clears throat> oh yeah! By the way, we're. Uh, I don't know what you've like covered on your show already, so it's. Hard. I don't know. I don't want to cover anything I covered on the show already. We covered more of the craziness and the trans stuff and the this and that, and um, and we just need to to fix a lot of stuff. We need to do stuff better. I freaking I freaking left. I lost my headphones today, which are the most important accessory I have. Headphones are the key to everything. That's step one. If I don't have my headphones, then I can't begin doing the other things that begin making the other steps better. No headphones means I can't go to the bottom of the driveway and grab the trash barrels and bring them up and then begin bringing recycling and crap into the trash barrels. The whole supply chain, my personal supply chain gets totally shut off when I don't have those headphones. And I'm listening to podcasts. And today, there's no KMS. There's no Commentary Magazine show. Commentary Magazine, you guys. By the way, Eli Lake follows me. Starting yesterday, <clears throat> he does he writes for commentary among other places. Eli Lake, who's a brilliant writer, started following me yesterday when I put out a tongue in cheek tweet about uh, about having been a really good person for doing everything right with COVID. It's like, oh my god, I hope he knows. Don't follow me starting yesterday. I'm not really that person. You've made sixty five dollars <clears throat> on your GoFundMe, embarrassingly. Yeah, I'm I need embarrassed more of that. on your behalf. <clears throat> I need more of that, please. Thank you very much, guys. Go to my GoFundMe. You can see it. No, don't give this man money. And give me your hard-earned money. At least go to BurnboroughPodcast.com and buy merch and get something for your money. (laughs) You hush, little lady. Don't give him money. You hush, little lady. No. You don't have COVID. I have COVID. You don't know what this is like, Alice. I'm sure I have COVID, too. I've had the the, sniffles this week, too, Tom. I probably also have COVID. Don't make me hush you in front of these people. I have to relearn everything now. I have to learn everything from scratch. My palate has to relearn everything. That's why, and I promise you guys, by the way, I promise that every bit of that um, money that is for my GoFundMe, every bit of that will go to what I said it would go to. It will go to fine cuisine so that my palate can relearn how to taste things. So that one day... I'm giving it back. So that one day... 
I can know you're not touching anything. You don't even know how to get to that. So that one day <laughs> I might live a normal life again. Like you can. Remember. It's probably good for you to not eat stuff for a little while. No, it's not. Alice, I need to learn how to taste again. Make America taste again. <laughs> Make Tom Shattuck that's taste right. again. And so, and so that's why I'm doing that. So please give to that GoFundMe. If I got $1,000 in there, I would say F you so quickly, Alice, and I'm going out every freaking night to retrain my palate. Wouldn't take that many nights for you to go through that. Let me what tell exactly you. Approximately three days worth of Tom Shattuck going what? out. Alice K. Shattuck. My goodness. So that's what's going on uh, with us here. I'm sorry. It's just a bit of an odd time for us with this uh, with this, um, with this, this impending war because it shakes up everything. The entire news cycle is talking about it, and the infighting has already started. I don't think this is Trump's fault. This? Oh, uh-oh. There we go. What? I do hope this is a parody account. It says, Uni Party Removal Services. What? Uh, somebody thinks I was serious yesterday. Everybody, a lot About of people think thing. you were serious. Why would people think I'm serious? Come on, fellas. Because there's really people who are out there that are like that. That's why they think you're serious. Nolan Peterson says, just on a conference call with a senior administration official who, when questioned by reporters, declined to call Russian troops openly entering the Donbass an invasion since Russian forces have already been present in those areas since 2014. There we go. Is the equivocation, Alice. Uh, we did a story today on my other show, uh, WTIC, where in Stanford, Connecticut, they're trying to get rid of... Oh, you know what you need to do? What do I are need? You not, you're not able to read it, are you? What? The Stanford, um, Connecticut story about leaf blowers. Where are you? Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't. I'm like paywalled out of that story or whatever. But I did, uh, I did send you that story, and I sent you the guy's petition who wants to ban gas-powered leaf blowers in Stamford, Connecticut. I don't understand the obsession people in the suburbs have with banning stuff, too. It's, is it just, like, purely an affliction of having too much time on your hands? Because it, How, it's, like... What is your like, preferred method of, of communication? Uh, email? I'm going to email you this. This is the... Okay. Um, part of the text of the story. I just want you to hear, Alice, what this writer... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just the first. Is this newspaper owned by a hedge fund yet or no? Uh, it's owned by Hearst. Okay. So not quite. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> just so you know. Okay, you're Alice Shattuck. How the hell do I find email? Okay, hold on. <laughs> to Alice. What's your email? <clears throat> uh, I don't want to give out my email. <laughs> okay, I don't want Jane to yell at me about her last name. Um. Okay. I'm sure I'm in your contacts. <laughs> Okay. You search Alice. I'm pretty sure I come up. At this the, is beautiful. At this I just you point just need just to check the first. Let me just tell you all you need to know. I've mm -hmm. sent you the, the first. Uh, this writer is all you need to know. Veronica Del Valle. Veronica Del Valle is a reporter covering growth and development for the Stanford Advocate and economic mobility for Hearst Connecticut Media Group. Veronica graduated in 2020. That's important from American University, where she earned both her bachelor's and master's degrees. Her work has appeared in NPR and the Washington Post. Okay. That's all you need to know. Now, I just need you to read. This is about a leaf blower, about a guy in a town in Stanford trying to ban leaf blowers because while he's on his two acres, he can hear them in the <laughs> distance and he wants them. And not only that, but they also, leaf blowers, uh, uh, gas leaf blowers, it mm -hmm. also... Uh, Sprays the topsoil around and also shoots beetles and other bugs around. Do electric leaf blowers not shoot beetles around or make Alice? noise? 
So he wants them banned. Now listen to this person. Listen to how this 20-something Zillennial. Like Zillennial, I'm guessing, yeah. Zillennial, listen to how she writes. Now when we were at the, uh, when I was at a newspaper and we were trying to hire a couple years ago, we had a problems with people trying to change the world in their writing instead of just trying to write. Can you please read the, it's about a leaf blower issue in a town. The rich people in Stanford want the gas leaf blowers to be banned. <clears throat> please read the first paragraph. Dateline, Stanford. When the New England... Now hold on. Now hold on. Don't look at it anymore. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> Dateline. What? Stanford. That's right. Dateline is where it's taking place. That's an AP uh, style book necessity. You need to have that because this is a news item mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. So read the first paragraph of the news item, please, Alice Shadow. When the New England leaves turn the colors of goldenrod and honey, of cherries and jam, of <laughs> of corn and canaries. Why are the canaries involved in this? I don't really know, Alice. I don't know. I don't know what's happening here or how we found ourselves in the middle of a sonnet, but it's happening. <laughs> okay, so when they turn all those colors... No, read it, read it correctly again from the top, please. Dateline Stanford. Dateline Stanford. Okay. When the New England leaves turn the colors of goldenrod and honey, of cherries and jam, of corn and canaries. <laughs> Sorry. A rumbling starts in the distance with the growl of an engine. I'm trying, Tom. I'm trying. Alison. <laughs> By the time every leaf turns brown, there's a cacophony of gas-powered leaf blowers on every block. Where's the dateline for this, by the way? This news item? <laughs> Stanford. Correct. After years of communities opting to grin and bear the oral menace. Pardon me? <laughs> the what? The what menace? The oral menace. <laughs> Spell oral in this case. A U R A L. That means Bundy having to do. Stuff. <laughs> does that mean, Alice? It means having to do with hearing or sound versus O R A L has to do with the mouth. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> and you wouldn't want to just write that. No. Okay. No. After it's years an oral of communities menace. opting to grin and bear the oral menace. Bans and limits on gas-powered leaf blowers have popped up in every Stop, no- stop. In every what? Nook? Nook. What's coming next, I wonder? <laughs> What's possibly coming next? Nook and cranny. Oh, nook and cranny. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, that your banging on the table is oh. making my headphones go in and out. I'm just letting you know a little bit. But um, and yes, now, no, it reminds me of George Orwell saying <clears throat> that you should never use a phrase that you're accustomed right. to seeing in print. Did George Orwell ever tell somebody that maybe they should never write again? <laughs> Nook and cranny of the nation, and now that this movement. is the end of the poetic lead, really. And now that movement has arrived in Stamford. Okay. Once again, Alice. Dayline Stamford. When the New England leaves turn the colors of goldenrod and honey, of cherries and jam, of corn and canaries... A rumbling starts in the distance with the growl of an engine. Do you realize if I wrote this lead, what Jules Crittenden of the Herald, my then producer who was the actor, would have done? Do you realize? <laughs> um, 
beheaded you? He would have. I would have been so lucky, Alice. <laughs> he would have taken the letter opener from the top drawer of his desk. He would have gutted me from belly button to neck. He then would have taken my entrails out. Alice? Alice? I'm listening. And while I was fully conscious, force-fed them to me. Alice. And he would have been right to do it. When the New England leaves turn the colors of goldenrod and honey, of cherries and jam, of corn and canaries. Is that... Now, I've learned time in memoriam today. In memorial. Okay, in memorial today. Am I right in suggesting that canaries aren't birds in this region? Yeah, it, it's out of place because everything else is like stuff that we have in New England. And canaries aren't really. But I guess she couldn't think of anything else yellow to go with corn. So, yeah, I maybe they cut their editor budget at the Stanford Advocate. I'm sending it to my... To Jules Crittenden? No, to another oh. editor. I, uh... So that's where we are. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, I told I tell people that we are a couple, couple of years ago, for some reason, for some reason, oh God, I start to get upset when I think about it. When I was at the paper, we decided to partner up with a state college in Massachusetts and have the kids write about the opioid crisis. So, you know, what, who, where, how, when. They could talk to healthcare professionals, addicts, uh, family members, the cops, whatever. And we got not a submission I could use. It was all it was all in the third it's floor golden of rod an old, and honey. Yeah, it was in the third floor of an old tenement. The wind slaps <laughs> the old uh, sashes uh, as twilight descends upon do this one. Do people not understand? It's so like, holy Jesus, what do you do? It's just total navel gazing. It's like, write about stuff. Write up what is going on here. Why am I in coral, oral, freaking oral menaces? <laughs> freaking oral menace? Oh, do you mean like a shitty noise? Because if you mean that, then write shitty noise for fuck's sake. Stupid college fucking know nothings. That's what they are. They're stupid college know nothings. Oh, my writing's more special than just news writing. No, it's not. You suck. You suck. You suck. And this idiot will be will get a fine job somewhere writing her mediocre horse bleep somewhere. It'll be told you're smart. You know what she, she reminds me of? You meet JL Cinder. Same thing. Yeah, okay, I am smart. Okay, okay. Did you hear your Misha's thing? Did I play it? Was that a different lifetime? I don't know. I don't I don't recall it on this show. My question, I mean, like, I have trouble believing that Yamiche Alcindor would be, have gotten as far as she has if she writes like this, because this is just tragic. <laughs> they talked about, Alice, okay, they talked about uh, on the Meet the Press thing, um, uh, the, the getting rid of the um, Board of Ed people in San Francisco, okay? Mm-hmm. And meet the press, and how parents want to say again, etc. So this is Yamiche's take on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is this central issue of parents having lived through the pandemic, having also seen what their parent, what their children are learning, um, really having a front row seat to the to the challenges of all of that, um, rebelling against sort of what school boards are focused on. I do think a small cultural war is not the way that I would describe what's going on in our country. I would say that this is a huge cultural war. No, I would the also Democratic say Democratic Party, though it's just beginning I, in the Democratic I say, Party. I think. I think even in the Democratic Party, um, I was looking at some numbers, uh, Gallup poll, looking at sort of 
Martin Luther King's favorabilities. We're in, Mar we're in Black History Month, looking yes. at the fact that the majority of the country um, did not support his work, that he was an unfavorable figure. And I think anti-racism work in America has been unpopular historically. That, of course, is complicated if what you said, you're not plowing the snow right. during a snowstorm. So that is adding to this. But I think there is a real issue in this country of whether or not, um, when we look at historical figures, when we look at slavery and its consequences, whether people feel comfortable still talking about that. There was this, this inflection point after the murder of George Floyd. And I think there, there has been a big backlash to that. So that's what happened. That's what happened. Much like they didn't like Martin Luther King, these parents here aren't comfortable talking race stuff. That's what's going on. And people and, and there's been pushback against anti-racism teachings forever. Of course, Martin Luther King was antithetical to anti-racism teachings. Well, and That's not why, only that, but, is a dumb. Well, and the people who are getting in trouble, like another Connecticut story that you cover was the teacher who was one of the havens, I think. Uh, who was in trouble for uh, teaching a James Baldwin work and right. saying the name of the James Baldwin work, which was uh, I Am Not Your Negro, right. which is, I mean, so that's not a case of a teacher or parents or anybody else being afraid to teach anti-racist materials. I don't know that anybody in their right mind would dare to call James Baldwin not anti-racist. I mean, like, he's the epitome of... I think, I mean, maybe not a modern critical race theory, but certainly, like, I would say that he's, like, a seminal black thinker about racism in America, yeah, right? Yeah, I think she's, what she's saying, anti-racist in the Kendi version of anti-racism. Right, but, uh, but I mean, like, I, I think that even, like, Ibram Kendi or Stacey Abrams or, it, I mean, like, I think, or uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, like, I think any of these people would embrace James Baldwin as an anti-racist. I mean, do you think any of them would call James Baldwin not an anti-racist? I don't think James Baldwin, I think anti-racist is wokeism. I mean, sure, but... Uh, I think all those people would embrace James Baldwin as a, a thinker that that has influenced them. I, I don't I have know, Alison. They, they don't embrace but, the, the core tenets of Martin Luther King. But anymore, the problem so. is, I mean, well, they but they still like admire King, right? So they're still like saying it. I don't know, but I, like if you're telling me that teachers can't say the name of a James Baldwin work in the classroom, then like I don't see how you can claim the mantle of anti-racism. I just I don't get it. Because that's that. If you say that that's like not okay, and that the people who have a problem with this like brand of wokeism are just like have a problem with teaching kids about racism, like, and meanwhile the people are trying to teach James Baldwin, like that's not. It just doesn't mesh. It's like when we talked about there are law schools that don't want Dred Scott taught because it's like there's mean racist language in the Dred Scott decision. Like that's insanity. That's insanity. That's the opposite of not wanting to teach about racism right like this is people wanting to confront if you are teaching james baldwin and about the dred scott decision then you're absolutely confronting racism head-on the fact is, is it's not the right that wants to censor that stuff that's the left that wants to censor it or talk about it in hushed tones or lock away the actual text of these things for like when people can handle hearing the name of a james baldwin work i mean like that's it's incredible to me that this is like where we are is that they're claiming that, you know, that it's Republicans or the right that's uncomfortable with teaching about racist history when 
when in actuality they're the ones who don't who like don't want history taught and in the meantime there's a one school board in Tennessee that removes a comic book about the Holocaust from their curriculum. They didn't even ban it. They didn't even remove it from the school library, but they removed this comic book from their eighth grade curriculum that's about the Holocaust, which is a good comic book. I actually read it in middle school, by the way. I think it's a good comic book, and I, I think it's a good like look at the Holocaust for kids that like don't like reading book books, right? But I just... The idea that the school board in Tennessee not wanting to teach this one particular comic book that's not banned by any definition under the sun versus, like, the teacher that's now trying to get fired because she, like, said the name of a James Baldwin text. Like, I don't, I don't get how this group of people who's pushing this junk in schools can possibly claim to be the anti-racist it just or that the, the other side doesn't want to confront history that just seems like insanity to me like you're the people that don't want to confront history that's try, that you're trying to twist history into some mutilated version of events to like suit your own narrative like miss 1619 project over there you can't get around the fact that if you have a problem with history being taught, that the problem is you, not the history itself, right? That if historians come to you and say, you've got the history wrong, or if you're trying to teach the historical texts that teach about real historical racism that really existed, and you're saying, no, no, we can't teach that, that maybe the problem's you? Like, I, it, I don't know. I'm like, sorry to go on a tear. I just like, it, it boggles my mind. It really does. <clears throat> because, I mean, I think that, I mean, James Baldwin is, like, pretty going towards, like, the woke end of the spectrum. Right. <laughs> like, I don't get how you can say that, like, teaching James Baldwin is, like, racist. I, just, I don't get it. I don't get well, it. Well, uh, no, I, but, 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 but anti-racism is a new thing, though. True. In the <clears throat> the candy sense of it, and it also it, the funny thing is that candy is a spoiled brat who's not talented, but is hugely like these other people I'm talking about, but is hugely rewarded and is treated like royalty, which is is actually fairly good for us because he expounds loudly and in public again and again and says just dumb stuff, spiritual dumb stuff so that's kind of good that said the reality for james baldwin in 1955 i would say i would say he probably heard some <laughs> oral menaces uh it, it, during those years being a gay black guy i think probably during jim crow i think probably was a little bit tough don't you think that's exactly why they don't want this stuff actually taught? Because if you're going to teach kids, that, like, that, you know, a, a white kid coming back from a trip to the Caribbean with braids is a microaggression and it hurts you... Uh, is a new Jim or a voter ID is Jim Crow, then, like, you obviously have to keep people from reading about real Jim Crow. Don't oh, you? Uh, yes, you'd have to. You have to. If you're going to tell people that voter IDs are racist, then, like, you can't let them read about, like, 
you know, the Dred Scott decision that essentially said that black people weren't people, which is, I mean, like, and I understand that that, like, might be hurtful to some students, but I think that, that that's the point. And the problem is that, that their definition of racism doesn't hold up when you read about actual racism. So that's well, right. why that's they feel the, the need to, that, like, delete game, right? actual history, right? right? Like, is that if you read about actual Jim Crow, then I think it's hard to argue that, like, uh, not having a uh, drive-through voting is literally Jim Crow. <laughs> but uh, thank you anyway so much for listening. And um, you sorry, can- Clemmer. By the way, shots fired at Clemmer. I'm not firing shots. It was more a shot fired at you. No, it wasn't. By the way, Craig started with Jerry today. Craig started with Jerry. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you weren't happy when what's his name got the gig. I don't know if you were still salty that you were overlooked. I'm not overlooked. You're not overlooked? I'm not overlooked. I don't know. I heard some salt in your uh, tone about six months ago. I'm not overlooked. You don't, you don't, you no longer feel aggrieved and you want Craig to succeed just fine. Do you want him to crash and burn, perhaps with your help? Like, with... I don't, I didn't, what? I'm being wrongly accused. Incorrect. I'm being wrongly accused. I don't want anyone to crash and burn. I wish everybody all the success in the world. Right. Watch out, Craig. Is that something I'm telling you? I know her. <laughs> and she's, she's Serbian, Craig. So <laughs> the dagger is long, my friend. I don't know why you're trying to create beef. Just because I, like, I don't have time to do anything like that. You're crazy. Anyway. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.